0: Hello and welcome to Spectology, the Science Fiction Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. Uh, Spectology is a podcast where every month we pick a book and read it and talk about it over two episodes. Uh, And this month, what is our book, Matt? It's a pretty awesome book called Empress of Forever by Max Gladstone, right by a past and, you know, supposedly future guest, uh, or hopefully (laughs) a rather future guest here at some point. Um, You make it sound like he's flaked out on us. He I, I know. No, that's, that's definitely not what has happened. <laughs> <laughs> that is me being very tired. <laughs> um, yeah. So Max has been, you know, been with us before. He's a, he's a good friend of Matt's and, you know, like friend of mine at this point, I hope. And uh, yeah, so he has two new books out this month. We have chosen one of them to read, which is mm-hmm. Empress of Forever. Um which fits—it's a space opera, far future, f- adventure, fantasy, high Star Warsy space opera, blah blah blah. Uh, it's a pretty fun book. Yeah, with a lot of Chinese stuff in it too, Journey to the West <laughs> style stuff, which right. I'm excited about. <laughs> Right. So we're going to, you know, this is our pre-read. Um, each month we we split the discussion of the book over two episodes. The pre-read, what this is, which is spoiler-free and is kind of the context of the book. We sort of talk about the author, the book, where it fits into the science fiction canon more generally. Uh, we'll probably be talking about space opera as like a thing today. Uh, and then in a couple of weeks, towards the end of the month, we will have a post-read episode, which will be about... Uh, the book itself, and we'll talk about it in depth, full spoilers from the beginning. Um, But for now, you know, you don't have to worry about any of this. This is us, you know, I think equal parts like geeking out about other sci-fi stuff and then also convincing you that you should read this book because uh, you should because it's fun. It's great. You should definitely read it. It's it's um. I'm about 40 percent of the way in. Matt, you've read it before, right? hmm. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into some fact books. Yeah. Some, some facts about (laughs) the book. Um, so like we said, it's a sort of big space opera e adventure type story. Think like star Wars, think like Arthur C. Clarke or Ian banks that kind of like, you know, really big, um, nine Fox gambit is one of the books that we've read that might, might be a comp for it. um, you know, content warning wise, it's it's there's a lot of violence. Um, there's some stuff about like control, um, like mind control and mm-hmm. that kind of yep. thing that's covered um, very much in the text uh, as like, a you know, like the text is asking questions about the nature of that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's not merely subtext. Um, but otherwise, at least as far as I've gotten, you know, it's kind of like the, the typical sci-fi type stuff. There's no big, you know, nothing else big to point out so far that I can think of. Yeah,
1: I agree. Um, it's, uh, it's, I don't know how many words it is, but it's about 476 pages, which is sort of potentially longer
0: than some of the other stuff that we've read. Yeah, Um, although not as long as, uh, I mean, like the, the big f- thousand to yeah. page tomes right. you see these days. Yeah, it feels to fit pretty well in the like middle of the road, like what you'd expect yeah. from a modern sci-fi kind of standalone yeah. book. One one thing that Max has said about this book, uh, which definitely appeals
1: to us and is one reason we picked it, is that it's not the first of a series. It's meant to be completely standalone. And it's his his way of like taking what could have been a trilogy and condensing it into one book. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. So that, you know, you don't have to worry that you're going to commit to something that's too insane, but you're going to get a lot,
0: of dense stuff right. dense action right well and let's not undersell its insanity <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. right I, you know and that's that is i was actually going to ask about that because i knew it stood alone at least in terms of the story but i wasn't sure if it was going to be like part of a bigger world or something like that so
1: i don't think there's any plans for that right now obviously max is a higher authority than right me, but right, um, right. But he has said specifically in public that this is intended to be a one a one off thing that represents, you know, what could have been a series, um, you know, condensed down into into one book. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, you know, if if you finish it, it it'll
0: probably the, that'll, <laughs> that'll make, make sense. that'll make sense. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> uh, <a> spoilers. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think um you know i also was stating it just got published like three four weeks ago as the uh, trying to like yeah well as uh, by the point this episode goes out it'll be like less than a month old essentially yeah um and so it's very new he also has another book out um like uh i actually like a week ago or something like that or maybe a week in the future um called how to lose the time war which is co-written with amal el motar uh that is so we're not reading that book like i bring this up because it's like we're (laughs) reading this book not that other book we had discussed between us which one we were gonna end up reading and this one felt like a kind of more of a comp and more yeah like something that um yeah, I don't know. Why did, why did we choose? Partially because it fit better with the schedule that we have. We have like some other guests and yeah, stuff I think <laughs> it was in the future. And so it was like, to be I be not I mean, we couldn't like wait four months. <laughs> yeah, we could easily have read have done the other
1: book instead. Um, mm-hmm. It's awesome. Definitely recommend you check it out. It's much shorter than this. Uh, so you can get through it pretty quick. I think it's like around 200 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: uh, it's an epistolary novel. And uh, it's about time travel. And you check it out. Right, time travel epistolary novels definitely like pushing Adrian's buttons. So I'm gonna uh-huh. I'm gonna be picking that one up <laughs> here soon. Um, yeah, you know, other books that he's written. I mean, the big one is the Craft sequence, which I think is like five or six fantasy novels. Six, six now. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and three parts dead is the first published one. I recommend starting with it, to be honest, because they're also they're a little weirdly out of order. Like I don't know, I I've only read three parts dead, so I don't know the full story of of the publishing and how it how they all work. Yeah, they're all individual
1: stories that you can read individually that take place in the same universe. Mm. So kind of like Culture Series E, exactly, exactly like that. Yeah, and so they they you know as you read more of them, it forms a more of a tapestry. But unlike the Culture Series um some of them have just the same characters and are like pretty close together in the same timeline oh, okay. although they're they're like disconnected in terms of narrative mm-hmm. cool so the craft sequence is awesome max has also uh very interestingly written a lot of stuff that is you know uh, in other formats so he's written games he's written some choose your own adventure style games that you can actually buy in the app store um At least one of which is actually two of which are based on the craft sequence. Mm. Um, These are by Choice of Games, uh, which is a game publisher. And uh, if you search for Choice of Games in the App Store, you can and Max Gladstone, you can find those games, and they're they're pretty fun, especially if you like the craft sequence. Um, They're actually a great format for an iPhone game, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. they're probably also on Android, but I'm not sure about that. Right. And in addition to that, he's also written some really interesting experimental stuff. He's written, um, he's worked with Serial um, uh, Box a lot, which is right. a... He was like kind of one of the founding writers, yeah, right? he was. Um, it's a new publisher that publishes um, like serialized fiction, it, like that's designed to be distributed by an app and accompanied by... Uh, an audio version of itself, and like you can go seamlessly between the audio and the text, mm-hmm. and you can you can sign up for like a season of it, and you'll get you know the chunks of the serial that you're signed up for delivered to you when they come out, and each serial is written by like a stable of writers. It almost is sort of designed to mimic how TV
0: works. Mm-hmm. but as, they I will like, say they advertise on a number of podcasts, like hint, hint, hint guys. <laughs> 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 so but also you are you might have heard of heard of them before through that um <laughs>
1: um
0: also and so yeah specifically the titles that he's worked on are book burners and "Witch who came from which who came in from the cold cool which are very cool cool and then uh it's also worth noting that he you know Max came on to our like, uh, fifth, I think like, uh, book that we ever read. So he's been a guest on this podcast before, uh, for the Nomon by Nick Harkaway, but the pre and yeah. the post read, he's on those episodes. So, uh, they're actually, you know, the, the pre read is, I think our like second most downloaded episode ever. So it's a, it's a good, it's they're fun episodes. Uh, if you like this book might be worth going back in the archives and listening to those, if you haven't, as well as reading no. Nomon because I think there's oh, yeah. um there's like some comps between these that are really fascinating to see given that like at the time he had just finished Empress of Forever like at the time he was reading and recommending Nomon to us so it's like they're not actually like influenced by each other But I can also see exactly why Max chose that book at that time (laughs) to like want to read with us.
1: Yeah. And of course, if you liked those episodes, that's another sign you might like, you know,
0: Max's stuff. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So I guess sort of like uh, I think that's most of it. You know, this book is really new. So it's like. There's been no award season yet. There's been no kind of like uh, I haven't heard anything about an adaptation happening of this book. Um, You know, it's sort of like a lot of the other stuff we might talk about is just sort of like not really happened yet. Um, So you should read the book and be on the forefront of all of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what you come to this podcast for, cutting
0: edge. We're so far out <laughs> oh, that like, you know, people people yeah. people haven't even caught up with us. Soon right, we're, we're gonna be reading books that like don't even exist yet. We're just gonna be yeah. like reviewing books that authors are like, you know, don't even know yeah. they're gonna write yet.
1: As far as you know, we recorded this five years
0: ago. <laughs> and we're just pretending <laughs> that we didn't.
1: And I wrote i wrote yeah. Adrian Letters I mean, through time. The the, to set it up.
0: the the president of the United States right now is clearly insert president here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So no, no, that's that's not a funny joke. Uh, (laughs) um, Why did we choose this book in particular, Matt? I love this book.
1: I love Max and all his books. Um, This book is probably my favorite book of his that I've read. It is my favorite for a lot of reasons. It's my favorite because of what it is. Like I like... I love space opera adventure stories. Um, I grew up on Star Wars, you know, when I was six, my dad showed me the first movie and um, that was it. That was the life, the beginning of a lifelong love affair with that kind of story. And um, what Max has done is he's combined a lot of those classic tropes and ideas and, and set piece, you know, setups with... Other stuff that I also love, Max, I mean, you know, there's a reason we're friends, like we like a lot of the same things. And so it's not a huge surprise that a lot of the stuff that he wanted, has like always wanted to combine up with those ideas are also things that I love. Specifically, Journey to the West, which I'll, I'll just briefly sort of intro here. Journey to the West is one of... Um, the great classics of chinese uh classic literature
0: it's their like iliad or something
1: right uh yeah i guess i mean more like it's more like the odyssey but it's it's not that much it's not that much like either of those to be honest like it's really old and it's really long and it's a story of right well that's that's
0: more the what i'm getting it's like historically important really long really old
1: you know sort of like historical text yeah in that sense it's it's ju- it's a lot like the odyssey um it's the story of a group of a group of people who are um journeying from china to the west to um, find in these very important scriptures and bring them back to China. And so it's, it's a group of adventurers, so to speak. Um, and like West at the time would mean like India, they're going okay. from China to India, but it's a fantasy story and it's uh, told on a very, very, very huge scale with like gigantic mountain sized monsters fighting each other. And like people warping through time and space and using these like magic weapons that carve reality asunder. And, you know, you very quickly, as I describe it, you'll, you'll see <laughs> this is this, you know it's a lot like this book. Right. The main characters are this sort of team of adventurers, and um, they are uh, the most famous of which is Monkey uh, Sun mm-hmm. Wukong. Sun Wukong. If you've heard of the the story of Monkey or various adventures that a magical talking monkey that has a quarter staff might have had, that's from this. Mm-hmm. Um, monkey you know theoretically some of the there's there's been some work to try to sort of draw connections between let you know the hanuman cults of northern india and southern india and and the journey of the west stories but there's no as far as i know there are no like direct links that are known right now this is a a, a sort of chinese cultural property um and um and so it's the it's this you know episodic series of adventures that this group of people who are heading west fighting demons have and and they kind of collect new members as they go and and um this it starts out with just monkey and um uh tang sung who's this buddhist priest he's like the center he's their their leader so to speak and tang sung has like no mighty combat powers he's a priest and his mighty combat power is that he is very very holy (laughs) (laughs) and because of the incredible holiness of his spirit He attracts, like, all the roughest, most awful monsters from all over existence because they believe that if they eat him, they will gain enlightenment because he's so (laughs) powerful and holy. And so, like, Tang Sung is this incredibly helpless, like, average human-shaped creature. He's just a human, but he's really holy. And he is protected by Monkey and the other members of their band as they they adventure to get the scriptures. And the members of their band tend to be, like, demons – who like join up because they're trying to sort of throw off the shackles of their demonhood and advance to a higher level so it's it's all about attaining enlightenment through the gradual progression up the chain Uh um, right, like like through the karmic wheel kind of thing yeah yep. and and like it's i this- do i
0: do want to point out just really quickly that like knowing anything about this is not required for the enjoyment of this book. Like I have never read any of journey to the West. I know about it literally only through talking to you a couple of times about it Matt yep. and like this mm-hmm. book is super enjoyable to me and I just want to oh, yeah, like yeah. get that out there as we like go really yeah, deep totally. into the like history of this like you know kind of like other cultures like deep historical texts. like it's not a thing you need to know it is rather like mm-hmm. context for like how yeah. Max came up with a lot of the ideas in this book exactly
1: and also it's it's the it's one of the parts of the answer to the question why I wanted to do this book because right. I love I love this stuff and, and right it's it's all connected in, I think in my it's head.
0: probably worth talking more about the specifics of Journey to the West aft like in the post read yeah. of the book instead of too much right now just because I worry about getting a little bit bogged down sure. in the specifics as well as then like also you know like I'm already hearing like oh well now I see some of the like outlines of the story and how it's going and stuff like that I'm like no let's just talk about it afterwards and what it means <laughs> <laughs> Um, But it is it is a very cool adventure story that, you know, I think is it's similar to the odyssey or apparently journey to the west or whatever it is very much this like you know folks going on an adventure through places they don't fully understand and like exploring it like as you do um and obviously it's a like modern science fictional version of that um it's (laughs) more entertaining than the like odyssey is potentially (laughs) but you know depending on what kind of reader you are what kind of reader i am um (laughs) But yeah, it's a it's definitely it's a fun story. And, you know, I mean, from my point of view, like you, I first heard about this book when we were like, you know, at your place recording the like one of the No Mon episodes like Max was or you were telling me about it or something it was like, oh, I, we're definitely going to read that when it comes to like this. This just hits <laughs> like a bunch like a bunch of my check marks of like, you know, far future space opera, lots of like travel and adventure involved, you know, standalone novel, which is always like, you know, thank you please more of those. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Exactly. So I think it
0: fits a lot with us. And then, you know, like, Max is not like a close friend. You know, I haven't been friends with him for the last 15 years like you have, but he is a really cool guy and helped us out early. And I think that it's like fun to kind of have this sort of like callbacks of like, you know, guests on and then reading their novels and like vice versa. So this is this is a Hell lot yeah. of fun. Uh, like that it's kind awesome. of symmetry of it is really nice. Yeah. Um. What are some like, you know, I think it's worth also talking about, like kind of like other books that's maybe similar to or like elements of it are similar to you know obviously like Journey to the West is this is kind of that but you know I mean I think in terms of like other books we've read we've talked about Nomon a couple of times and I was actually surprised again I've read about 40 percent of this book but I, I was surprised that you know that there are certain elements of it that, like, remind me a lot of Nomon that are very much, like... It's this kind of interesting sort of, like, parallelism of, like, oh, you know, these two authors, I think, like, think about the same kind of questions. Maybe they think about them and write about them very differently. But I think if you, you know, like one, you'll like another sort of, sort of deal here. Um, I was also weirdly thinking of Romy Futch, which is, like, nothing about the content is similar necessarily. But there's this... um Kind of term from Dungeons and Dragons about different play styles, and like one type of play style is gonzo, and that's just where you kind of like <laughs> smush everything you can into it. And there's like you know laser swords next to orcs, next to you know like interdimensional travel, next to you know like like monster trucks, and it's just like everything's shoved in together. And like there's kind of an element of that in here. Like as you talk about Journey to the West, I kind of see where some of those elements actually come from but it does have this very much like this sort of like gonzo thrust of like the the like adventure narrative like kind of like always moving forward and it's like you know like nothing is as it seems and everything is kind of you know it's like like far future you know like like ship viking like flight vikings and stuff it's just like all over the place but it all makes sense too (laughs) <laughs> yes uh in that sense it, it, does have, it does have
1: there's a sort of similarity there it's like that you know it is to like uh you know space it is to like a vanilla space adventure story what like hunter s thompson's journalism is to like a vanilla <laughs> journalist <writing>. <laughs> right right <laughs> right right you know like it's right.
0: just it's just for what out like Romy futch is to Going like a typical literary yeah. novel <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: totally I uh, I personally uh, I yeah those make a lot of sense to me those two Nomon is a really interesting one in particular there's a lot of details there but that might be better discussed in a in post, post read, read. Um, I thought of Yoon ha Lee's work uh, we read Ninefox mm-hmm. Gambit on this mm-hmm. pod and uh, I think the world building in particular is something that that you know I connected in my head um, there there's a there's a way that um, There's an East meets West West kind of Gonzo going on, also. Like in addition to all the stuff that you were saying, Mm -hmm. that I really that really appeals to me, where it's like it's almost like you know, if if anyone here is familiar with um, Avatar: The Last Airbender or Korra or the various properties in that universe, um, there's a, a really cool thing of taking a lot of very detailed and and well thought out ideas from like Asia and mixing them together and ad mixing them in much the same way that like you know you you would mix together stuff to get vikings with laser swords you know it's it's like the it's like the same thing but it's going it's like taking this element of of uh of this ancient chinese thing and this element of this modern japanese thing and just like smushing them all together um mm-hmm. and that's something i think of yun hali is doing the way that the character just like what do the characters eat and you know what do they how do they like interact with each other in terms of their speaking style and Mm -hmm. how do they modulate like different levels of politeness and like, and, and all that stuff is, is kind of just doing the same thing. You're it's the same kind of gonzo just
0: with other materials that it's drawing from. Right. Um, That is funny because I think like stylistically they're very different writers. Um, like this style of what they write is not. But but I do actually, now that you're describing it, like, oh, I do see how, like, from a world-building point of view, you also, with both of them, have a little bit of this element of, like, you know, sort of, like... And I think this happens a lot in space opera or can happen a lot in space opera where there's some elements of like, is it fantasy or is it science fiction? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so far advanced, it may as well be magic kind of stuff going on all over the place. Um, And I think that that is sort of a, a while they're very different. And I think, too, you know, it's like. Max handles like a lot of like dark like violence and you know darker themes and and stuff but it it's always done with a bit of like um something like fun to it like i would call max a very like fun writer like his style is fun and engaging whereas like uh nine fox gambit was at times like like edging on grimdark you know sort of like if 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 the comp for this is star wars the comp for nine fox gambit is maybe like warhammer or something more like right like uh like they are like it's a little bit more like grimdark like you know sort of like the em- gears of empire turning and crushing everyone underneath as opposed to like (laughs) adventures having like fun and adventures even while the gears of empire like crush everyone underneath them (laughs) does that make sense (laughs) yes um
1: another one that uh that's uh a very very good and like meaty comparison we could do, and spent really long time talking about it. But yeah. We probably won't. Uh, it's ten billion days and a hundred billion nights uh, by Mitsuteru, which we right. did a few months ago
0: on this podcast, and uh, and which I you know, know Max only read after we had recommended it to, like after those episodes yeah. had gone up. I, I was very surprised by that because it does feel like, like I'm surprised he hadn't read that book before writing this one you know they're they're very clearly like yeah so they both they both draw on some of the
1: same like other materials like old um buddhist adventure stories and like wuxia fiction which is like kung kung fu stories like old like chinese japanese or indian adventure stories and then old um
0: kung fu adventure stories of you know Mm -hmm. and and like one of the things that it's worth noting just for folks who don't speak Chinese, like wuxia is like wuxia, like W-U-X-I-A, like that style of like fantasy adventure. It just means kung, kung fu, fu adventure right, stories. Right. yeah. But like people might hear that sound and not know the like written word it's
1: connected yeah. to. The, one of the things that's that sort of characterizes a lot of those stories is um, a lot of, you know, if you think of um, how uh, Knights in shining Armor or like courtly romance stories work, you know, there's like magic in them you know Mm -hmm. it's not just like maybe the main character isn't a wizard but like there will be magic things going on there'll be monsters that are not human that have like strange powers they work like that too kung fu stories work like that but the magic tends to be instead of having maybe a christian tinge sometimes it has a buddhist tinge sometimes Mm -hmm. and so it will be connected in some way to these larger buddhist philosophical ideas and that's one of the things Ten Billion Days is doing, and that's another thing that Max is doing a lot. He's sort of mm. connecting. Um, he's connecting a lot of his big adventure magic to these particular. Uh, you know, it, you don't have to know anything about Buddhism to get a lot out of this, like you were saying, Adrian. Right. But but there are some of these connections there. If you
0: if you are interested in that stuff, I think you will see it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think particularly if you read Ten Billion Days along with us, like you'll you'll see like elements of, of there that are that to your point, Matt, you know, it's not that he read that book and then included them. It's that like, they've both read the same original texts and are like including them in their like big far future science fictional advent- adventures. Um, I think yeah. another comp that we talked about that you mentioned that like his book, I love, and I think we've mentioned it before in the 10 billion days uh, pre-read is uh, Rogers Zelazny's Lord of Light, which is another like, buddhist far future space opera kind of thing um mm-hmm. Zelazny being a westerner and like non-buddhist as opposed to mitsuse who is you know japanese and i presume at least like you know lived in a buddhist culture whether whatever his personal beliefs were um but like lord of light is another sort of like also i think fits a similar kind of like fun, adventure you know, like group mm-hmm. of misfits kind of like running through the world and breaking a lot of things while doing it.
1: <laughs> kind yeah.
0: Of, kind of story. Oh, yeah. I yeah, love um, that book, man. I, I love that love book. That
1: book. <laughs> I That is one of my favorite books. I absolutely love that book. And I know that Max has said the same thing. Max absolutely loves Lord of Light. And he read it He's read it a lot, and he read it the first time when he was very young. This actually reminds Mm -hmm. me, because another reason to bring up uh, Journey to the West, actually, uh, although it's not going to be something that everybody's familiar with, it is something that, like, I think Max's parents gave him his first copy of that book when he was 11. Mm. And he's been, like, reading it over and over his whole life. So he's Mm -hmm. like... It, it's a very profound influence on him in a way that the, of all the other things we've mentioned, probably only Zelazny is at the same level in terms of being an influence on Max and his writing. Right. Uh, which is just kind of an interesting thing. It's not necessarily the first thing that you'll
0: think of when you read it, but it's it's a kind of cool background, maybe. Inside scoops. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um i think yeah in terms of you know we also mentioned like ian banks i think i I mentioned you know the culture novels a little bit earlier and i think that there's another sort of like clear comp there like i assume max has read at least like some of banks yes um and (laughs) and you know that seems to be also the sort of like clear you know Obviously, it's a very different kind of world and different kind of story, but in terms of this sort of like fun writing style combined with like really kind of like dark worlds and topics. Like that's something I often like associate with Banks. Like he was really good at like, you know, keeping it lighthearted even while it was like very dark. Um, and and I think this book does a lot of that as well. Um As well as just like some of the ways in which, like, you know, I think of like consider Flabus and particular which is just but all of his novels like he he like one thing that banks loves to do which is a thing that i think good space opera do, like the space opera i like does this is that it doesn't stay in one place it like travels it's like i have a galaxy yeah. worth of like you know things to explore let's explore yeah. them all over the course of this story and uh, that's something this novel very much does absolutely yeah i think um that's
1: a very good that's a very good comparison and and max um you know, has said many times he loves, he loves the culture
0: books. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not surprising to me in the least. Also they're (laughs) great books. Um, I guess we also, our very first episode is on a weirdly our least favorite culture novel. Like it ended up not being the best for our first episode, but still culture. Yeah. And you know, part of me almost wants to be like, don't go listen to those episodes, but they are our most popular episodes as well. So like you probably have, but they're also probably our, most poorly recorded episodes <laughs> did not yeah. know what we were doing more than a year ago when we did that. Um, yeah, I think th- one thing I pointed out and um, before we were recording and you you had some like real insight into this but there's something um very like D esque like dungeons and dragons-esque to some of the like tropes in the novel especially in terms of like you know gathering like a party of adventurers who have different skills and you know like go and like do adventures together um there's a certain sort of like you know kind of like game role-playing game in particular type of aesthetic to the novel and i think to also to the craft sequence and, and the other stuff of max's i've read like he you know i know Mm -hmm. that he plays you know these role-playing games and it seems to me that there are they are you know and uh, he's written games he's written these kind of like choose your own adventure style games um he's clearly someone who like thinks about like games and writing and like narrative and gameplay and like storytelling and collaborative storytelling and the types of stories that games versus books can tell and like kind of like mashes them all together. It feels like to a degree.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. I'm going to I'm sort of going to crib from stuff that uh, Max has said publicly when mm-hmm. I like, you know, talk about some of the, the, the sort of Max knowledge um, rather than just saying, you know, things that I think about him. Sure. <laughs> sure. And so um, I uh, Max has said at events that, um, you know, he. uh He played a lot of the the old West End games, uh, D6 Star Wars role-playing game Mm -hmm. um, in his life. And um, he has run a lot of those games as well. And I think that was a a particular influence. According to him, that was a particular influence on um, this book. And mainly because he, um, he likes to run games that are like this book, that are just... Out there, where all kinds of crazy stuff happens, but totally. that are nonetheless grounded in the set of relationships that define the party, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that kind of juxtaposition between really crazy action involving all kinds of strange admixed worlds around you that, you know, take tropes from everywhere and put them together and mash them up and just amp it everything up to 11. But like, you know, you still have a way into that. It's still, it's still something you can get your hands on as a narrative because the actual sort of main characters and their relationships with each other are right in front of you and really tangible and really concrete. Mm-hmm. And that's something that uh, I think he got, uh, he has said that the Star Wars D6 stuff was really helpful. Running those games was really helpful for him because that kind of taught him from a, from a younger age, how to for, how to foreground those relationships? How
0: to make cool. it so that those relationships are kind of what's really driving everything? Mm-hmm. That's that's neat. I, that is something that you know I think a lot of you know good DMs learn is how to like tell like personal stories in like really big epic worlds. Um, I also wanted to point out there's this game called Sufficiently Advanced, um, and it's actually a direct like uh, you know the the any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Arthur C. Clark's quote, uh, it's a direct, like, you know, um, uh, it takes direct inspiration from the quote, the name. Um, but if you can get your hands on a PDF of it, if you can like find sufficiently advanced read, I don't think it's in print anymore, which is why I recommend doing it that way. Um, it's a really fascinating game to read even without, running it at all so this is maybe like my weird kind of thing but i enjoy reading like source books for games, whether or not I ever intend on running them. <laughs> like I own a number of D D books that I've just like read as books and never like, you know, intended to run, or maybe I crib some things from it, but you know, like, or actually just like a, a way I enjoy reading and sufficiently advanced is really interesting in that it takes a bunch of ideas from Banks and Clark and Zelazny and Le Guin and like a bunch of these writers. And kind of like, you know, there's, there's a certain way in which, like, when you take a genre, of fiction and try to turn it into a game and in this case you're taking like far future space opera and trying to turn it into a game one of the things you have to really do is like distill all the various like tropes from that genre um and so it's a really like kind of like interesting way of reading about a genre is like reading the like game set in that genre like it's a very Cool kind of way of like understanding, like, what are the different things that like make space opera space opera? That and it's like pretty well written and like the story ideas it has are like really wild and like just reading it kind of spins you off on this like you know it doesn't tell any like complete stories it gives you the like beginning of a story and then that's what you run with your you know group or that's just like what you go and like sit around and think about the rest of the day (laughs) after you've read it which is you know kind of more what i did um so i kind of wanted to like call that out specifically as well i've never read any of the d6 source books so i i don't i'm sure those are fascinating too. Yeah, for sure.
1: I don't know how to get those. Uh, we'll have to look it up. But uh, we'll definitely drop a link to a sufficiently advanced um, website in the show notes. And you can check that out. I think um, all that stuff is really true. And it's actually kind of cool. One of the cool things about the current like, uh, peak content moment, in my opinion, is the way that The sheer volume of things that are getting produced by the sheer volume of people that are producing them means that a lot of the sort of meta stuff like game design docs Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. you know, writing design or like show design or like trope, you know, trope catalogs. That sort of stuff, which has always been really interesting to me, has been a lot more visible, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, this is a game I had not heard of. So I'm really looking
0: forward to checking it out. Yeah, you should pick it up and like read at least you know the first couple of chapters Matt it's really fascinating and I think you in particular Mm -hmm. will enjoy like what it has going on oh I bet (laughs) um yeah the other thing too you mentioned um and it may be worth just sort of like talking about this really quickly is anime and that sort of you know yep Uh, Evangelion just like went up on Netflix. Everyone on Twitter is talking about it because it's really fascinating and worth watching and like talking about. And there feels like there's definitely kind of, you know, Ava, Fully coolie, like that sort of thing definitely has some influence on like max i believe like this definitely really feels 100%. like 100
1: he is he has said as much many times in public and uh right. ghibli yeah, fest is
0: going on right now so like <laughs> kind of like the last week of every month like a studio ghibli film will be in theaters and i know um Yep. Like those are also potentially a good comp, particularly probably Princess Mononoke. Whenever whenever that's in theaters, feels like a pretty good comp to Max's stuff generally. Yeah, I was going to say Nausicaa. I think
1: Nausicaa. Is, right, that's already is, that's
0: already happened. I saw yeah. that a couple months ago. So uh, that's, I didn't bring that's that that too up. bad.
1: Yeah, because if you haven't seen Nausicaa, you should. And if you could see it in a theater, that would be amazing. But it I was guess, so uh, fucking
0: cool. I I, I did like um two months ago, and it was great i mean i saw it because you had recommended it on like an mm-hmm. episode uh with with seth and i was like oh well ghibli fest happening maybe they'll be playing it this year and they were so i went and saw it and it was so great so good yeah it's so good that's very much a book uh, uh a
1: movie and also a manga a book, that i right. that i think about in connection with max's work and also Akira. uh
0: max mm. is is also a fan of akita akira, um, right. akira.
1: <laughs> yes
0: with the non-Japanese speakers aka everyone who's listening (laughs) um it's it's uh those are both
1: you know sort of started out as really long manga in Mm -hmm. the 80s and were eventually made into movies slash tv shows and they're you know both of them are far future uh dystopian adventure stories that have a lot of specific kind of like on a you know individual character level there's some specific things that you might see you know mm. if you read max's stuff i i don't want to say anything specific that i think but we'll maybe
0: come back to that well let's get into that in the post read yeah exactly um because i'm curious of your thoughts but also want to read the book before i hear yep. them <laughs> um yep. Cool. So I think, you know, we've been kind of dancing around this idea of like space opera a bunch, and I thought it could be fun to spend like maybe, you know, 10 minutes talking about like both our own history with space opera and how we think about it generally. Like it's this term I feel like, you know, like in some ways when I think of science fiction, like the canonical science fiction subgenre like I think of is space opera, right? Like Hmm. it's in the future. There's maybe probably aliens, there's spaceships, there's space battles, there's people whizzing around to like new and interesting planets and places. And like, that's kind of, you know, I think the sort of like, like the, 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 the the er genre of like science fiction to me is very much like space opera. I think too, it's probably what I started with when I started, I, right like I also like saw Star Wars when I was like six or seven um I actually yep. saw Star Trek even earlier than that like my mm-hmm. dad introduced me to Star Trek when I was very very young and I've I've always been You know, like it's possible to like multiple things at the same time, but I've always like had Star Trek more as my kind of like foundational text, whereas other people have like Star Wars as their foundational text in Mm -hmm. like the space opera science fictional thing. Um, Yeah, and I thought it could be kind of fun to talk about. I think also when I was, because I read a lot of golden age science fiction as a kid. Um, Like that was my like main reading, especially between the ages of like, you know, I want to say like, eight and like 15 or something like that. Those kind of like, you know, really formative reading years for me was like Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, Heinlein. Like it's all the kind of like old golden age guys. And most of what they wrote was like space opera or space opera, like adjacent. Um, so what, what about you, Matt? Like what's your kind of history yeah. with this? star Wars, obviously. Yeah, no, star Wars is the big, it, star Wars is the big thing for me.
1: I, I, I think that uh, like a lot of this other stuff I've also you know saw as a kid, but it it all like in a lot of ways, when I think of science fiction, I think of sort of one of two things. I think of stuff that is like Star Wars, mm-hmm. and stuff that, you know, is more sciencey. It's like science. (laughs) Those are just like the two things in my head. They're not like (laughs) fancy. There's no fancy genre distinction. There's no like, it's just like in my head, when I actually think about different sci-fi stories, it's like on the one hand, there are Star Wars ones. (laughs) <laughs> and on the other hand, there are ones that have more science in them. Wow. That's interesting. Kind of. I I totally
0: um, see what that means, but also that's not at all yeah. how I think about it. It's cool. Like, and when I was
1: when I was little, actually, I mean I, I thought of like a an Arthur C. Clarke story as one that had like quote unquote more science in it. Or like an totally. Asimov story. Right. Even though like I I mean you could just you could make whatever distinctions you want. There's a lot of arbitrary distinction making that could happen.
0: Well, I think the one um, thing that both a- Asimov and Clark do a lot of is they have like worlds with lots of like hard rules right and like like Asimov has this very specifically there are yeah. the laws of robotics but like both of them do a lot of like you know the rules are like you know they're science or they're not but they're like strict rules that the world follows and then a lot of what you're doing is kind of like watching those rules play out I mean they they are big rule guys especially mm-hmm. Asimov like especially
1: as you know but I think um the other thing that's that's sort of worth pointing out is that um these there's actually a huge variety like under the mm-hmm. under the you mm-hmm. know panoply of space opera there's a huge var- what's what might seem to be like a relatively simple formula or set of like a couple different formulas for stories it, there is actually an enormous variety of different kinds of stories that still maintain the same feel if you think about everything from like um ee e. doc smith like the og mm, the like man. you know guys with lasers shooting at each other in space kind of guy everything from right. like a that. flash gordon would be flash in that, gordon. like sort of in yeah. that realm yeah everything from those which are you know pretty straightforward in terms of narrative mm-hmm. um to uh some of the like you know 80s space adventure stories or like dystopian space adventure stories that we've mentioned, like anything from, you know, Blade Runner to, I mean, that's a movie, but like the, the original Philip K. Dick say, take the, take some of Philip K. Dick's original stories. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is very much, I think, although it doesn't take place in space, it's like, it's doing so many of the same things. Um, Right. Well,
0: and parts of it, I mean, like the, you know, the, there's the off world colonies that the replicants are sort of like at. I, I also think of like uh you know kind of like Delaney like Nova yeah. or Stars Through My Finger, like grains totally and kind of fit in there with that really sort of like hard, gritty, lots of off world prison planets kind of thing yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, you can basically take Or just even the like, you know, Star Wars versus Star Trek, right? Like one of the things that's getting at is like the like two different types of space opera. You have the kind of science fantasy, like high space opera, like jetting around a bunch of places and like big empires and like, you know, laser fucking swords and that kind of thing. And then you have like the, you know, kind of like problem solving character centric what are the different societies what do they look yeah. like you know i mean like you could also call it like you know sort of like uh you know like like Le Guin. you know is another comp that maybe fits in yeah. that star trek type story where it's like you know it's totally. anthropology it's like you go to a new yeah. world and you learn about the people and then like smart people make the best decisions they can and like that's the story
1: <laughs> yeah and I'm I, I actually among books that we've read, and Lucky, or we haven't read her sci-fi books, but right. but um, authors we've read and and Lucky's um, ancillary books are often called space opera. And totally. if you compare them to um, some of this other stuff, like Flash Gordon versus versus uh, <laughs> versus Anne Lucky stuff, I mean, it's <laughs> like in a sense, you know, those are enormously different, but they're also, I think. It's probably pretty clear the ways in which they're similar. They're they're fun, plot driven adventure stories, right. um, And like the the sort of weird fantasy and technology and like ancillary themes, get it? See what I did there? Um, are maybe different, but <laughs> Adrian's rolling his eyes so hard. <laughs> um, the themes are maybe different, you know. But you can do so much in in this sort of in this with this set of like simple kind of story ideas. It's the same as like if you take any story about somebody getting from point A to point B. You Mm -hmm. know, if Mm -hmm. you've decided that that's going to be a plot driven adventure, then like you can do whatever else you want. You can have it, you can have it be like the sort of weird mashup between American thirties serials and like, you know, Japan, uh, Kurosawa films that Star Wars is, um, or, or, and like Joseph Campbell, you know, BS, like, you know, human mythology stuff, or you can have that same thing be about the nature of a mind and its ability to. Uh, And the nature of like physical identity and Mm -hmm. the relationship between the mind and physical identity like and like he does in the ancillary books. And it's just like it's it's kind of mind boggling, mind boggling the way you can you can do so much with so little. Um, But it's also just incredibly fun because the thing that defines a fun adventure story is how fun it is, is, how much
0: like you're enjoying getting from point A to point B. Right. And that does seem to be kind of like one of the main thrusts of like what's makes space opera space opera is not just the world building but also like there has to be some element of like exploration and like adventure in the storytelling. Like yeah. like even something like foundation, even something like foundation, which is so much about like these rules and these big socio political I mean, like part of what's going on is that like, you know, different planets are having different crises. And like you as the reader, even if there's not like a character who is, are kind of like going from area to area and learning about it and learning about the crisis there. Um, And that feels to be kind of this like, kind of inherent part of what makes it space opera as opposed to generally like space bound science fiction or whatever is this kind of like, there's some element of adventure in there, which is why even something like Lord of light, while it all happens on like one single planet can feel kind of space opera esque, or, you know, Le Guin, which is, you know, any like, you almost never see space travel in her books. You're just on these various different planets, like doing whatever is happening on that planet. But like both the combination of there's a lot of books set in the same kind of like overarching universe. And you get to learn the history kind of like by reading all of those books. But then also every individual book is about like this one planet, how it does things differently, the crises on it and like, you know, dealing with those crises and that sort of like, adventure of like it's it's some combination of like both adventure and then also like learning about the world building is part of the point like the world building is actually like a big part of the point in these novels and like learning about the world and like what the world does and then what that says about either the characters or our world or the larger themes, yeah. or whatever is really important.
1: Well, yeah. Well, it's like, if you think of it, you know, the, the, the cla- and in any classic adventure story, like part of the point is not just that you're going somewhere, but it's like, where are you going and what are you seeing as you get, as you go there? You know, you're right. like it's in an, an adventure along out the window. The way. Yeah. You, you, like the, the, the environment is a character.
0: I think that's totally true. Mm. There's but, you know, one, um, kind of a road trip novel in, in, in yeah. that sort of way. A lot of these novels are. A lot of them are. Yeah. Um, But even if they aren't, there's a,
1: there's a sense of that, like, you know, you're, I guess maybe they are like, that's actually an interesting question. Like to what, to what extent is this kind of adventure story inherently
0: about a road trip, right? (laughs) I think Um, not everyone is about the road trip per se, but like, you know, I feel like the, the, especially you know, I think another thing a lot of space opera does is it comes in like long series. And even those series aren't maybe like connected really tightly. Those series aren't necessarily even like all books. I mean, something like foundation where it's like interconnected short stories or again, like Le Guin where it's sort of like, she wrote all of these different books and they all kind of like got vaguely set in the same place. But like, you know, there's also not really a Canon, like the sort of like history of that place changes book to book even. Um, But there is this sort of like larger kind of like like almost meta narrative of exploration. Like even if the individual narratives of the individual books aren't about exploration, the meta narrative of the series itself is because by definition, it's not taking place in the boring old like day-to-day life that you're already familiar with. Mm -hmm. But also because there's a lot of different things going on in this broader universe. And part of what you're doing is learning about those different things. Yeah. It's interesting. I was thinking just now about uh, like an
1: Asimov robot story, especially one of the like, um, detective ones. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where, you know, the f- the 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 format is the format of an old, like, uh, Dashiell Hammett, like, you know, mystery, where it's just this hard-boiled detective guy shows up in a place. And he's, in, he's pretty much in the same place the whole story. He shows up in a place, there's various characters who probably did it. He has to figure out which one of them did it, and why, you know? And um does that count as space opera? You know, because it's sort of it's like almost the opposite extreme of where you're not really exploring, you're not really like running mm-hmm. around having adventures. Except that I actually think you are. Like it is a space opera. Like I don't think there's a huge difference there. Like because you know if you take one of those robot stories for example, so much of the of the like sentence by sentence or like page by page action is so similar. You're you're you are exploring the world for all that you're not flying from planet to planet. You're still like it's like what is this world that I'm in and and I think yeah. the core thing the core thing that makes it the same is the level of like lighthearted episodic adventure that's going on it's an adventure that happens to take place in one location
0: more or less but like it's still it's still this like fun adventure like I do think the fact that the like robot stories are all except for one or two like earthbound and like, like not just planet bound, but actually earthbound in particular, like there is something about space opera where you can't have a space opera that is like purely set on earth. Like that is not a space opera, right? You can have space opera that set in the solar system like more broadly. You can have space <laughs> opera, but like I do but think even that, if earth is super different. Yeah. Even if earth is, then it's just a different kind of like science, like, far future science fiction but like i do think that's actually an important element of space opera is that like Hmm. earth is a little bit left behind like i don't the earth what about the moon I think the moon count, I think you can do moon space opera. I don't think you can do earthbound <laughs> space opera. I what think at that point, it's station? just opera. I think at that point, it's just like science fictional it's just opera stories. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't think you can have, I think space stations could count, but you need the space. Like the space part of space opera is actually like a key element and like purely being like earth with maybe like one or two stories get set in low earth orbit, like doesn't feel like that's enough of like. Because part of the point of it has to be that there's a broader world that's bigger than you can write about in any one of these novels. There's always more over the horizon, so to speak. In this case, yeah. you know, like on the next planet, over the next solar system, and the next galaxy even, that's like larger than what you can actually
1: see. Yeah, I think I agree with a version of that. So I sort of agree. Like, I think I think the, the main thing that you need... I think it could take place entirely on Earth. But I you need... You Not need without there. a like broader universe existing outside yeah, of that. Yeah, you, you need there to be the the sort of sense of something else being there. Because the, the robot stories, there
0: is that sense. You know, there.
1: Oh Yeah, that's oh. where
0: I mean I haven't read them in a long time, but like I don't I don't think there is really. It's like Earth is the set like here's the thing yeah. Earth can't be the center of everything and where the story is set. Like you can maybe have one or the other. But like Earth can't both be the most important planet yeah. in the like entire galaxy and like where the majority of the story takes place.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Um, I have
1: one other thing I wanted to say about space opera, which is um, about lineage. My favorite topic. Um, I think it's really interesting to think about the way that space opera and lineage interact. Like, so what I mean by that is, the you know I love talking about like how like stories inherit things from other stories and how people are influenced by their predecessors and. And, um, one of the interesting things about, you know, like when you define genre, like one, one approach you can take to that is to just do it in a purely lineage based way. Like this is a thing that is trying to be like this other thing, which is trying to be like this other thing. And we call those other We've things. We've talked about it before
0: in terms of like yeah. conversations. It's like authors in dialogue with each
1: other. Yeah. So, um, one of the interesting things about, you know, space opera is that because they're because they're adventure stories of a sort that have always existed even mm-hmm. though the settings are really different there's this really interesting thing where unlike mm-hmm. like if you think of them as adventures first and as like science fiction second or as something else second um then you can instantly kind of relate them to
0: a, journey a this, to the west yeah mesh exactly <laughs> you a, know. a really
1: broad a really the, the maximally broad set of like other adventure stories right there's, ancient as as you want to go or or as or as as obscure as you want to get, but like it's still it works because it, an adventure is an adventure is an adventure. If if you want mm-hmm. to take that approach, obviously mm-hmm. you could do a lot of other things in your mind as you're thinking about it. But I mean I think this really is kind of how Star Wars works, for example. To take that as an example. I mean this is something that on the one hand is is sort of clearly relating itself to Flash Gordon and all these other serials from the 30s. But on the other hand you know, it's because of the Joseph, Joseph Campbell connection, I think it's relating itself very consciously to
0: ancient myth, you know, and, and that's like, uh, it's cool. Cool And also like, you know, like samurai films and the idea of like Ronin and the, you know, that sort of, there's also that lineage to it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But the point being just that you, you have this ability to, you can, you can Kind of by doing this little judo move and thinking of it slightly differently, you can expand the scope of what you're comparing it to instantly. And and it, it actually has this like very close connection to all these things that may mm-hmm. seem very far away,
0: which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Totally. I totally agree. And I think in particular, you know, we've talked about this, like when talking about... um like the kind of like colonization novels, like Semiosis and Dark Eden and that sort of thing. And thinking about those in terms of the like Robinson Crusoe stories. Yeah. Right. And the sort of like, you know, like lost adventurer building a new thing for themselves versus here where it's maybe like, you know, lost adventurers, but like adventuring through things that are much bigger than them. And they like don't necessarily get the chance to like build for themselves so much as like survive in these elements. Oh, yeah. And like explore these elements and, you know, probably break a few of the elements along the way. That seems to be like a (laughs) common, you know, whether whether it's the Odyssey or it's, you know, this novel, like, you know, like or, you know, I think uh, what 10 billion days did a lot of this of like you know, you get to a place, you don't fully understand it, you learn a little bit about it, and then, like, by the time you leave, you've, like, broken all of it for the people <laughs> who live there. The whole thing is crumbling. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there was one other thing I wanted to say, which I I, I, uh, I had... I just looked this up to remind myself what it was, but I remember there was mm-hmm. this... And it turns out it was Brian Aldiss. Um, oh, yeah. Defined... He had this definition of space opera, which I think is sort of a very interesting one to unpack. Mm. He called it, quote the good old stuff and quote, <laughs> um, which yeah, obviously it's very easy to disagree with that. And I right. would disagree with it on a number of levels, but I think it's interesting to think about the way in which, um, you know, as part of, as part of thinking about the lineage of these stories, like one person's space opera in this case, Brian Aldiss's space opera is like fundamentally of a certain era, or at least you could interpret his comment as meaning that, um, or it's, in dialogue with the stuff of yeah, that era in like, particular. Like, in other words, you know, that perspective, if we took it, you know, as far as it goes, I don't know exactly what Brian this really thinks. But but if we took that perspective as far as it goes, you know, you could, you could say that, well, in order to be this genre, it has to be from has, so-and-so has to have written it and it has to have been written between the years X and Y. Yeah, and that's an odd I mean, that's way. I don't really not think
0: interesting. About... I'm not interested in straw manning things we like neither of us agree with, well, I think, to a degree. No, I mean I'm
1: trying to I'm trying to, you know, make what I think is an interesting point. I hope. I don't I'm not <laughs> okay, interested okay, I'm so sorry, much I'm in sorry. I'm not interested so much in, in Brian Aldiss's you know, views. Like I said, I, I I'm interested in this because I do think there's a way of thinking, even though this isn't how I think about genre usually, um, there's a especially the further back you go. When we start talking about genres that were defined by people living hundreds of years ago that relate to sort of their specific conceptions of like what a certain kind of story was in a certain kind of place, you know, in in an academic context, you, you talk often about like you use terms to apply to like certain stories that are basically genre descriptions. Mm-hmm. But they're way, way, way out of use, like they haven't been used for hundreds of years. And and so there, there emerges this like, you know, set of 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 ways of talking about stories that are all obsolete. But like, you know, in a in a if you go to the right place in time, that would have meant something. Like and what? I think it's really interesting to think about our era from that perspective. Like, what are the like if you if you lived 500 years from now and you looked back on all these stories, does that give you a different sense of what's related to what and what might mm. plausibly be called a certain thing,
0: you know, by a certain person. I well, just think, that's I think a, that's, you get some of these arguments even like in modern science fiction of like, can you write cyberpunk anymore? Yeah. Is cyberpunk yeah. a living or a dead genre? Yeah. And I think that's an actually vaguely interesting question to some degree. Yeah,
1: no, it is. I mean, and even if, if it's sort of hard to think, talk about with space opera, because it seems so
0: obvious to me, at least, that space opera is alive and mm-hmm. it's not only the good old stuff it can be new stuff and well and it's maybe worth pointing out where there was a point in time where like that wasn't as clear to the point that Mm -hmm. uh gardner diozos like edited a bunch of books called the new space opera that was like partially the whole idea was like let's get the few people who are still writing space opera as well as some other folks to like write a bunch of space opera short stories and almost like rekindle to some degree this oh yeah both like both that's rekindle cool. but also like show people that like this genre is still alive and there are still people doing it right um, Yeah, that's and like really authors cool. that we've covered before have all like been published in these new space opera i think it was like the kind of like late 90s early 2000s around when the like new space opera books got published um there were two of them i believe yeah i mean this isn't quite our genre but i i know that
1: there was a discussion in fantasy in the 90s that like the people descended from total like big epic fantasy was like on its way out right you Mm -hmm. know and like that's so weird from the perspective of today (laughs) i know right
0: we're like everything all fantasy is that now yeah yeah but like It makes sense. There was a point where like Harry Potter was ascendant and like, you know, kind of like modern urban fantasy and like post Tolkien stuff was all ascendant. And like, you know, it is, it is somewhat funny that like, you know, I guess probably what, like to some degree, like a song of ice and fire plus the like Lord of the Rings movies are really what kind of like rekindled, you know, and let people like Joe Abercrombie or whoever like start writing like Tolkien esque fantasy again. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So I think it's it's really interesting. Like the you know these the moment in time that you're discussing it matters too. I think, mm-hmm. and 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 it also mm-hmm. matters kind of how, um, you know, it may it may be worthwhile coming up with terms for things of a certain era. I mean, we use the term Golden Age Sci Fi a lot. To mm-hmm. distinguish a certain kind of space opera or a certain kind of, you know, a larger thing that includes right. some space opera, you know, of a certain era. Right. And it's like, well, why, that, why that is,
0: is very much the era as opposed to the subgenre, right? Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily space opera. There's plenty of stuff that's not space opera that's golden yeah. age. Um, yeah. I think so, of like Clark's short stories, which a lot of them are sort of almost like weird little fantasy nuggets, <laughs> like the, you know, the, what was it? The, the 10 billion names of God or whatever, whatever the oh, name of yeah. that story is. That's it's such a, like, I love that story. That's so a much. cool story. Um, or all just like all the whole, like, you know, dimension X and X minus one radio plays, like all those stories, uh-huh. whether original or not, where it's sort of like, it's clearly like there's a thing there that's going on. But it's not about yeah. the genre. It's about like the writing style and the era and like what they're dealing with.
1: Yeah. So we could have, we could keep going and this very, and have an even longer discussion of, of, well, uh, of Space I, Opera. One but- thing
0: I was very interested in, and I think this is, you know, Uh, but like what our kind of listeners think about like how folks Uh, who are listening to this think about space opera. Like we've had sort of like our both agreements and disagreements about it. And in particular, like these questions of like, Era and like, what does it take? Like, what's the sort of like minimum necessary elements for a space opera? Both from the world building, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we disagree about can it be set on earth, and it's like I'm curious, like, what other people think. And yeah. I, I'm always curious for like if anyone has a good, you know, sort of like like oh yeah well this book is clearly space opera and also clearly set on earth to like you know prove me wrong <laughs> right because I I, I I like those specifics or, or help ground this discussion a lot so i'd be very curious you know we're, we're on twitter at at spectology pod to hear like from others and what they think about space opera tell us what you think yeah. tell adrian what you think and then yeah. adrian will and then tell me we'll talk about it in the post read <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but I do think that's a, you know, decent place to kind of wrap it up, at least the kind of larger theme stuff. You know, there's also this thing about like the nature of groups, found family kind of stuff. I think we'll talk about that more in the post read because we can dig into the specifics. Yeah, there's a lot to that. dig into. Right. Looking forward. Um, sort of, this is one thing that question we sort of sometimes ask, are there any kind of like... Maybe vague spoilery things that people might want to know before getting into the book. I can't think of anything in particular, but, you know, I I guess maybe the sort Mm. of like that it's based on Journey to the West is the like closest to that. Um,
1: Yeah, but even so, you don't need to know that. I mean, there's really this is designed to be standalone and and you can really go
0: into it with a blank slate. Totally, totally. Um, Yeah, so and yeah. And again, I guess it's too early for there to be any like, you know, pop culture type stuff based on it. Um, I do. I do see because I follow both Max and Amal on Twitter that there's a bunch of stuff like it seems like already, even though it's not published yet, the fan base for like how to lose the time war is really, really big. Um, so there's a, I saw someone like, you know, made like an enamel like a necklace for Amal based on the cover and that kind of thing. So <laughs> that's um, awesome. So there's there's a lot of that going on, um, but I haven't seen anything of that for this. Like, it's funny, this this novel almost seems to be flying under the radar a little bit compared to that one. Like they're putting a lot of the like effort of like marketing it into that one instead of this one. But I think um, it's really worth reading so far. It's a it's a fun, you know, adventure fantasy style. Yeah, I opera. actually
1: uh, on that topic, on on the on the topic of how well it's doing. Actually, Empress has been doing very well. Uh, they cool, sold good. out their first print run.
0: I did see that on the second, which is great. Right. Which um, does mean that if you don't have a paperback version of it yet, you'll need to get the ebook in time if you want to like read it in time for us. Because It's going to be a couple of weeks before they yeah. like, pu- but uh, it uh, yeah, anymore. it's, 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 uh, it's things are going well for the Empress. Good. I, I believe it's good to hear. Yeah. And it did, it was published, I think in paperback initially. Right. So it's not like a $50 hardback. Uh, if you, yeah, that's right. Pick up that's the, right. The soft cover. Yeah. If you, if you want to pick up
1: the, the actual hard copy, which mm-hmm. is a paperback, it's eighteen
0: ninety nine, Right. Definitely. And, uh, but it will be like two or three weeks before it ships yeah. again is what it looks like. Um, if you, if you can't find one at your local bookstore. Cool. Well, that's good. I think, I think that's it for us for now. Um, any any last thoughts? Or I guess not really final thoughts since we have a whole nother longer episode on this later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm really looking to forward to that. I, I I love I
1: love this stuff so much. It makes me so happy. This is like I mean, this is the this is the kind of book that I wanted there to be when I was little that I didn't know about, you know. I mean, there probably are other things. Certainly when I found Lord of Light, I had this feeling also. Um, of like oh man this is something I always wanted and I never knew I could actually have it this 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 like gonzo ridiculous buddhist space adventure is exactly what I always wanted and I and I can have it oh my god yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) very cool yeah it's um you know I'm really looking forward to digging in and like talking about you know it's like I've really liked it so far. There's stuff that also like, I really kind of like want to dig in on some criticisms I have of it so far. So I think it'll, I think it'll be a fun post read episode to really get to like, you know, talk about the specifics of it. It's where All I right. always want to be cool. Forward. Well, until next time, Matt, I guess a thank you to WJ whose music is playing right now. Um, Noah Bradley at no for our cover artwork uh you can find us at, at Specology Pod on Twitter, like I mentioned. You can also email us spectologypod at gmail.com. Um and that's that's kind of it for social media for us. Uh we're at spectology.com um or you know itunes google play stitcher blah 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 uh you know also i guess worth mentioning again, like you know if you like this like please leave a review i know it's kind of a pain on itunes and these other things but if you do leave us reviews wherever you listen to podcasts that's always much appreciated we've had some really nice reviews recently and i think it helps people find the podcast and listen to it and know that they that might work for them so i always appreciate that a lot when folks do that um yeah i guess i guess that is um That's it for now. So we will see you all next time. Peace out.